All right, KISS Army, welcome to the KISS FAQ Podcast. Thank you for giving us your time today and letting us into your head. I hope we don't do any damage. This is a KISS-related podcast by the board for the board. We hope that you enjoy. One. Welcome to episode 269 of the KISS FAQ Podcast. I'm your host, Julian Gill, admin on the KISS FAQ message board. Today I'm not joined by Lonnie, so hopefully he'll be around shortly, and if not, we'll see you next time. Um, but present and accounted for are Marcus Almighty Mark. Greetings. And 69th Blizzard Ken. Gentlemen. Here. Welcome back. All right, what news do we have? Oh, oh. yeah. I, I wanted to ask you guys something. I, being that I've been off the board a lot and working on my record and stuff like that, I kept kept seeing these posts about kiss canceling shows or something like that. Uh, guys, got any details about that? No. <laughs> Say it ain't so. <laughs> you have to remind me. Here's an open wound. Pour some salt in it. Rub it. Um. Yeah, they've postponed uh, both Oakland and Staples Center, which I just happened to be going to both of those both. Uh, until it's March. Your fault. Well, on on the one hand, it's a it's a bonus in well, as I try and put on my rose tinted glasses and spin yeah. this one around into the the positive realm. Um, San Francisco International Airport has currently got construction going on, and they're down to one oh. lane. Um, mm. so there's been a shitload of cancellations and postponements and delays. So it's really a nasty time to be flying in or out of San Francisco. Okay. Let me rephrase that. It's a nastier than usual, um, time to be flying in and out of San Francisco because of course, San Francisco has a reputation that's well learned. So, you know, United of course said, well, you know, uh, you guys can rebook your flights in order to, you know, so I figured, oh, I'm going to get away with rebooking till March without paying the $200 rebooking fee. No. No? Nope. Did not get away. So um, at an additional 200 bucks for my travel, uh, the hotel room down there, which was, I think, 265 a night. I'm only doing one night. Um, for September is now 535 a night in March. And I'm like, I don't think so. So, really? um, yeah, I'm not spending that on wow. one night when I'm barely going to be there. Um, so got to find another hotel. So we're so far 200 bucks up. Um, <clears throat> one of my tickets is electronic as well, which makes me very unhappy. And the other one, which I'm giving away is paper, but they'll have to return the stub to me. So I have proof I went to that show. So I'm, <laughs> I'm pissed. I understand it. You know, they've done a lot of shows, especially in the Los Angeles area in March, which is a very short period of time. And they got some really good results out of some markets that were expected to be down. Sacramento, um, yeah. which we went to in February, did very well. Um, Iron Maidens just played up there and Kiss did more in audience and gate than Maiden did. And make of that what you will. But uh, for someone who loves both of those bands, I'm glad to see good, strong results from either. And I'm glad that Kiss won the numbers battle, if not quite the deep catalog cuts battle. Um, so Northern California has always been a stretch for them. Obviously a few years back, they canceled Mountain View. Concord is rumored for, what is it? June next year. Where's my rumor thing? What? Cause I have a lot of things. Concord? Yeah, yeah. I saw something about that. Yeah. I, I saw something minutes. about San Francisco too. Yeah. I, hey, I, I saw five minute June, drive. June the 16th. 
Yeah, Concord is rumored. And June the 14th, Ooh. Irvine. And uh, that's it for California. So, I thought it was under really... San Francisco. We won't... Um, maybe, well, maybe. Who knows? I've seen some dates rumored Chase. for for yeah. San Fran, but uh, I don't know because uh, again, these dates that I have, I'm only I'm only pretty sure about one in January when the next leg is supposed to kick off. But obviously, I don't want to get a phone call from Mr. Simmons saying, "Now, Julian, what did we tell you about leaking?" <laughs> well, uh, you know. You're- right about the sacramento thing um for instance in the la area they've already you know had people go or probably fairweather fans go to those concerts so uh they're probably not going to go see them a a second time Uh, those kind of fans uh the diehards are going to come out of course um so some of them some of the diehards won't um because they'll they'll take it that's you know kiss said we're only going to visit your city once and they've been to Montreal twice, Toronto twice, you know, and, you know, this is Kiss, of course, and promoters. Uh, we're going to come to your city as many times as we can make a profit out of it. Yeah, I think would well, be the more accurate way of saying it. Yeah, but I mean, they're attributing it, their kisses to uh, a scheduling conflict. And uh, I don't I don't buy that based on the sales or all the dots on the uh, chart and. Ticketmaster. Yeah, it, it totally is, yeah. as you just said, because of all those empty seats, people have not been able to get their schedules in conjunction with where the date is and their wallet is yet. So that's why <laughs> it is technically a scheduling issue. Technically, um, yeah. Yeah, I've also heard that they need extra time. This one will be a blast from 1997 uh, to ship the stage to Australia. Apparently, uh, getting the cheaper level of freight requires an extra four days. Um, yeah, that. But I, yeah. I I think in the end it is a business and it is about wanting to perform in the strongest market regardless of what the merchandise sales or the concessions or all those additionals will be for a venue. Kiss doesn't want to have any optics of a poorly attended show. And come on, some of the shows that we've thought are going to be Dogs, Barclays, um, Little mm-hmm. Rock have all done extremely well from those numbers that have been um Release and I know people are saying, well, they papered it. Well, you know what? To the to the promoter, it doesn't matter. Kiss doesn't make those decisions. It's a business decision. And if they can get the first eight thousand people to pay full price, and then they can fill them up with discounted tickets so that those people are buying concessions, paying for parking at the venue, um, and for Kiss buying T-shirts, um, uh, souvenirs, drumheads, whatever programs then the business side works itself out and you it, every every time you buy a ticket now it pops up this is dynamic pricing the pricing may or may not go up or down and whatever so it's the the modern market may or may not i love that yeah well, paul, paul, paul stanley's not ordering pizzas for an audience ever again as long as they keep yeah as long as i keep the hopefully the oakland show is still going to happen in march and and i i find it hard to believe though that they do a concord so close to you know, three months after uh, an Oakland show, because that's just right in the Bay Area out here. So I, I find that hard to believe, unless they decide to cancel the Oakland show and just have Concord only. We shall see. Well, I'm bummed, because obviously I wanted to, you know, see all of the legs of this tour in the U.S. Yeah. Um, so I really wanted to see Crazy Nights performed. Sure. But I really wanted to see... Um, <laughs> Serious. 
Uh, but you know, I'm I'm more annoyed for selfish reasons. I was ready for a, another Kiss show. It's been a few will, mu- it's been too. a few months. It, yeah, sure, it would have been number five for me. Um, but I still would have you know loved Reedy. to catch up with all the the California Kiss buddies and you know see a show together. So yeah, exactly, it, it is what it is. Uh, I'll say we're lucky it wasn't canceled because come on, the, yeah, it was pretty it was pretty normal for Northern California. It was pretty weak. So embarrassing mm-hmm. i'm sorry so of, of these dates that California. are kind of rumored right. right now late may is when another u.s leg is supposed to and you know what i'm taking it with a very large pinch of salt because the last rumored dates i i got weren't entirely accurate mm-hmm. um yeah hey lonnie speaking of what's speaking up of, sorry about that. speaking of uh inaccurate Wow. Just kidding. Stopped on the highway. Yeah, we're just finishing mm-hmm. up crying about uh, our California dates being canceled, especially after having a nice invite to come out to Not St. Canceled. Louis. Well, Not they might canceled. as well be. Moved. Yeah, moved. Mm-hmm. You know, there you are. You get a nice invite to come visit St. Lou, you know, yeah. Maryland Heights or whatever, whatever the heck that place is and, uh, you're like oh i can't it's my wife's birthday and then you're like rats maybe i should have um <laughs> you know and then it's like I, I actually looked at flights to salt lake city and looked at tickets for salt lake city i couldn't talk myself wow. into it my, <clears throat> my wife is actually kind of understanding but uh until i got to the part where it was uh well i'll be back for our anniversary <laughs> oh so, boy then you got the look <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's move into some of these. We got a little bits and pieces today. Um, anyone added anything into their collection? Mark's adding an, another album of his own into his discography. <laughs> so, I mean, that's kind of the ultimate collectible, um, your own album. Ken, bought yeah. anything? No, nothing new. Lonnie? Um. No, nothing has arrived yet. I got my my uh, best of solo albums is finally on the way. After contemplation, contemplation, it is on the way. It does not arrived though. Very nice. nice. Oh, but I got a new T-shirt. Oh cool. yeah, why well, not saying it? So I got a new T-shirt to also. Very nice, very nice. But I did, I did get something though. It's not Kiss related. Though. I did get myself a seven-inch promo of an Anderson Bruford Wakeman House single, and I did get myself a <laughs> promo seven single of a Yes song from the drama album. So I am on my seven-inch kick for my Yes collection. Oh, I, yeah. And if you want to talk non-kiss, I did get a destroyed copy of Def Leppard. Oh, I saw too. that. I saw that. It looked nice. Yeah, oh, we, yeah. You know, at, at the end of the day, it costs 42 bucks with all the discounts and free shipping and everything, and it really was treated like it was a discount. <laughs> so have them send you another one. Yeah. Is that vinyl? No, I, the vinyl one arrived perfectly and it's put away and I'm never getting opened. So, um, I had actually gotten a digital copy of it. So I felt like I had to buy it to keep it legit. So, all right, let's go into some of the stuff. There's a lot going on on the board and it's not all about Vinnie Vincent. It just feels that way. Sometimes <laughs> some it days should be, you go in there and there's just, <laughs> A few too many Vinny threads, so I just do lock, 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 lock. You know, <laughs> just and I, I call it euthanasia. You know, just a, a little bit of uh, put it out of its misery before it starts suffering. So it's just preemptive medicine, kind of uh, the Soviet way. Um, 
so we Soviet way. Wow. Yes. <laughs> Um, so some of the cool stuff that's happened, and I don't know how much you guys follow this. This is more a Facebooky type thing. Is mm-hmm. Bullfrog Beer? There's a really cool guy who I actually I met this guy last year on the cruise. Uh, Ola uh, Peko, DJ Peko is his kind of handle that he goes by, and he's been on a mission for years, and he's really into the Kiss family tree, and that's mm-hmm. tracking down all and literally. We can say all of the people associated with pre-kiss bands, associated bands, and he managed to dig up some photos of Bullfrog Beer circa, I think it's 1970 is now the date, with Gene Simmons in his tubby, slightly obese, blue flannel and beard phase. Um, and he played with Bullfrog Beer in uh, Sullivan County Community College, and he's now found out all of the members who, you know, were in that particular lineup, who have also mm-hmm. confirmed that they were indeed the people who recorded Stanley the Parrot and Lita um, during a sojourn into New York City with Gene, which is really cool because uh, there's always the thought that Lita might have been Brooke Strander because of the piano. Well, it wasn't. Um, so that's nice to have definitively put out of its misery. But did you see, either of you catch any of uh, that? I know, Mark, I don't think you did. No, I'm trying to find it, by the way, but I, I have no luck. I saw it. I was really intrigued by it. I mean, it's obviously a picture I'd never seen before. Of and I, had, I had to like take a couple of looks at it to really figure out which one was <laughs> that Gene. Gene. Yeah, because I saw the picture. It's, it's such a different look for it. It's very unusual face for him. He was halfway to hippie. No question. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, I mean, I saw the picture, uh, and then I started going back and looking at the lineup, um, and I noticed that one per the drummer, the drummer's last name was Singer, which I thought was interesting. <laughs> it's like we have another singer. Just uh, in, in relation. I don't know. Probably not. Um, and then I guess that other, the, there was a, a woman in the band. Anna who, Dalva, who we've known about for years. Yeah. Um, who and Gene she, actually denied ever having anything to do with. In, um, in, in, oh, in, really? Yeah. And I think this went back to when the Vault book was being composed. I was asked for some information. I threw that out there and he was like, no. <laughs> But and, and no. she she's now pushing a single that's related uh, produced by Paul Sabu, which of course has more Kiss connections in because of Sabu Sabu Sabu, Paul I, Sabu. I call Sabu Sabu. He was uh, Silent Rage, I think had something to do with him. Uh, but of mm-hmm. course there yeah. were demos that circulated in the eighties, Rock Me Slowly and Wet and Wild, which were attributed oh, to yeah. Eric Carr, which were actually off a, a, a Sabu EP, uh, Sabu EP. So you know. <laughs> Lot, lots of really cool stuff. I mean, he's done all sorts of rock work uh, on both sides of the board. So, yeah. very kind of neat. But I think, you know, what's really interesting coming out of that, but this is 50 years ago history. And it just goes oh. to prove that more stuff is going to surface. More information is going to surface. We're never done. Any of those mm-hmm. people out there who call themselves archivists or historians, that's why we do it. Because we know that there's always something else to uncover always something new to mm-hmm. either clarify correct i as i've always said i love being corrected because it means i learn something which uh you know obviously this bullfrog beer stuff just 
made it very clear who was recording that stuff that we actually had the demos for. So very cool stuff. So uh, DJ Paco, keep doing it. Gel, of course, uh, Jansen is also into the KISS and related recordings uh, very much so as well. You know, and those guys are carrying on uh, what once interested me tremendously. So hmm. cool stuff. All right, let's go, let's go into the board because uh, we've got some good topics here this this week. And it's uh, your favorite Paul Stanley guitar playing. Mark, I'm going to throw that straight at you since you questioned me on it. You're like, what the hell do you mean by that? <laughs> well, um, now that I kind of had it more clarified after going onto the board to see what other people answered with that, uh, I have to say that my favorite Paul Stanley I think that I'm going to mention two things. One is the 78 solo record. I have always thought that that was one of his most stellar guitar performances. I mean, obviously being that it's his own record, he wants to give it, you know, his best performance and his, all his, you know, skill towards it. And I have to say his rhythm guitar playing on that is fantastic. Um, his tone of his guitar is so great on that record. And the thing that always makes me kind of like sit back and, kind of be like surprised a bit is that he mentions that some of those songs they recorded in kind of thought of keeping it as like a demo and then just re-recording it in a better form but and ending up keeping it because he liked the way it sounded and to me those demo versions that he claims are demos sound fantastic i mean what a great guitar sound i mean i think most uh, engineers and guitar players would 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 love to have that good a guitar sound under demos or even under completed albums never mind so that's uh, one thing that I pointed out. And another thing that I'd like to point out is, I don't know how many of you guys have seen this, but there's a really great video on YouTube with Paul Stanley uh, doing this endorsement for Ernie Ball Strings. They're doing all these different guitar right. players, and they're showing him for like eight minutes just going through all kinds of Kiss songs, riffing on it on his Les Paul. And that, to me, just shows how fantastic a guitar player he is. Because just hearing him play those songs on the guitar just by himself i found myself several times just bopping along and just you know singing along because he just plays it so well it's just so intriguing you know that he he and he brought up a couple of great points you know a lot of people are focused on lead playing and being the big you know shredder lead gun guy you know but not a lot of people focused on rhythm guitar playing and he did and it really shows because he can hold together a song by himself on that guitar he can just pick it up, play, and he is like the ground foundation of that song. So I definitely recommend that to anybody who hasn't watched it yet. Yeah, it's amazing what you can do with demos when you record them at Electric Lady Studios. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that too. <laughs> that helps. Yeah, Lonnie, what about you on this topic and uh, you know, and what you take away from it as a non-guitar player? Best, I love his sound. On a solo record of 78, I have to agree. Um, it's and, and I guess you know one of the reasons why we, we know it's it's all Paul Stanley, but the sound on that record is is very different than what you got on the previous record on Love Gun. The guitar sounds are 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 very contrast from one from one to the other, and. It really highlights Paul Stanley as a guitar player, which is something that really gets overlooked throughout the history of the band, is that is his guitar playing ability. And 
when I saw him on the Live to Win tour in 06, I was really impressed by his guitar playing. I mean, he had three other guitar players in the band, but you know, he he didn't just stand around though. He he did play that guitar, and and being that close in a club and watching him play was was really cool to see, you know, firsthand. So I'm going to go with the '78 the solo album because it is such a different tone than what we've got on other Kiss records, and really showcases him because. You don't, you don't think of Paul Stanley as a guitar player. You think of Paul Stanley more as the frontman of Kiss. But he is, you know, a, a fantastic guitar player. Yeah, without a doubt. Ken? Well, I, I mean, I have to agree with you guys about the 78 solo, but I mean, it's all over that. Uh, but what I was thinking about um, was his riffs and his guitar playing on Rock and Roll Over. Um there's some just great riffs that he has, you know, and, and, uh, I want you and take me and, you know, making love. Um, and then I was watching a, uh, a, a video out there, John five playing the, uh, uh, you know, the Paul Stanley's PS 10 or whatever. Yeah. And, uh, and, uh, he's playing some of the, you know, a few of the riffs and he did Mr. Speed. And I thought, oh, that is such a cool, great riff. And, I mean, that's one of the reasons, I guess, it's kind of a hidden gem. I mean, it's just a very cool riff and great sounding. Um, and I just watching him play, you know, John Five play, I was like, shoot, that's so cool. That's just a great, you know, um, riff. And plus, there are things besides Rock and Roll Over. Uh, you know, Paul was has done some, you know, solos here and there, um, especially like, you know, World Without Heroes, which is, which is a great, nice solo. I mean, perfectly fits the song. It's just, I don't know. It's just, he knows how to write a good solo. It may not be a blistering solo. His is more, you know, slower and melodic uh, than, you know, something like Ace would do. Um, but, man, it, it, when he does it, he does it really good. And uh, so I like to hear when he does that. Yeah, that, that you you just took mine. That was my pick, A World Without Heroes, the guitar solo. Because today, you know, with all that Vinnie contract stuff flying around, I was, you know, just flipping through uh, Face the Music, uh, looking for what Paul had said about Vinnie's tenure with the band. And, and I, I just jumped into the part where he, Vinnie's gone and, Mar, um, pardon me, Paul's working with Mark St. John on Animalize in the studio. Oh. <laughs> and um, I'll, I'll just read you the quote. Um Another time I said to him, you know, sometimes it's not about what you play. It's about what you don't play. Listen to Jimmy Page. Listen to Paul Kossoff. Listen to Eric Clapton. Mark says, I could play faster than those guys. Houston, <laughs> we have a problem. And, and that, to me, immediately made me think of a world without heroes. Because it's not what's there. In, in essence, it's that it's perfect for the song. And it's not requiring a thousand notes to say what can be phrased in a bend or with emotion in the performance or execution of what is a very basic solo that fits the the tone and everything about that song. I mean, the feel. Yeah, you know, to have dive bombing and whammy bars in a world without hero would be it would be um, idiotic. But also, <laughs> yeah. you could very yeah. easily overdo a soft solo by True. having the wrong one in there. Instead, having something that's very understated is memorable in itself. 
So, you know, it, th that was where I thought of Paul's guitar work being, you know, extremely good. And, of course, I think his rhythm playing, I think he plugs a very important role, a hole on stage, even with his jumping around, prancing, yeah. and what he's able to hold down to allow the lead guitarist, whether it's Ace, whether it's Vinny, Bruce, or Tommy, to do their thing is very important just like their rhythm playing allows paul they you know there's a very complementary relationship but paul's mm -hmm. the, paul's steering the live ship so mm -hmm. that's why i think his rhythm playing is so critically important to the band's live performance um, especially with him singing at the same time so a world without heroes for me is the outstanding pick and paul as the band's live rhythm guitarist very 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 important so yeah yeah i totally agree with that i mean you could you could definitely overdo a solo in that kind of a song and i mean i always think of that example but i also think of like people like david gilmore like he's never been about you know huge dive bombs and huge fast blistering things he's always been more about the feel of a song and playing less less is more for him it's mm. more about his sound of it, the kind of reverb and delay he puts on his sound as well. That adds to the whole feel and the mood of the song. I mean, one of the most basic examples of that is B.B. King. I mean, the guy can say more with three notes than most people can say in like 1,500 <laughs> notes, right? But mm -hmm. it, that's just a really simple blues example of it, right? But, you know, it, it's it's true. I mean, you sometimes have to think about what fits the song more than what's going to impress people listening, yeah, right. absolutely. And what you can do, did Gilmore in a bend, you know, or, or yeah. what he will do with the whammy bar in order to extend that tone. Yeah. He's not yanking it all over the place. It's a very yeah. deliberate, <laughs> slow, long, yeah. you know, change of texture. So, mm. absolutely. I mean, it's kind of funny to talk about Paul Stanley in that way when you put him in kind of the realm of virtuosos like Gilmore and Clapton. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. But, but Paul Stanley, I think, holds his own. And I saw that Ernie Ball video. That's fantastic. Find it on YouTube. It's a really fun bit of uh, of playing. Paul being very Paul. And it's not too long ago either. I think the last three yeah. years or, or something. Yeah, like it's that. very recent, actually, because that, yeah, that whole that thing is very good. new. Yeah, so, all right, let's move on to another topic from the board. And uh, Lonnie, we'll start with you on this. Which hit did you like the most, 1983 to 1992? Now you can get revenge out of the system and mention it. Yeah, I mean, come on, that, that's a no-brainer thrown up to me for this, for this era. I mean, Unholy Off Revenge is the best hit from 83 to 92. You guys can... Was it a hit? Was there a were there, were there a lot of hits between the single? And were any of yeah. them? I mean, what? I mean, well, yeah. I mean, crazy, we're, crazy we're, nights we're, in the '60s. Reason to live at '66. Right. I mean, it's all very relative. <laughs> this is Kiss numbers. This I mean, is Kiss it, math. This, this, yeah. this is Kiss, kiss hits. hits. Exactly yeah. right. These are called Kiss hits. They made the top hundred. If it's a single, we can call it a hit. I mean, exactly. If it made it, if it made it on the seven-inch vinyl, it was a hit. Or a video. Yeah. What does that mean? So you're going I mean, with uh, like, every time I look point. at you, right? That was your pick. <laughs> no, it's it's unholy. It's unholy for me because of for so many reasons. Just the sound of unholy, the the way Kiss, Kiss came back with a vengeance in in '92 with unholy. I mean, it, it's really in an un, 
in, in my opinion, it's really an unfair comparison. You should really call it the best hit between 83 and 89 because, in my opinion, you put revenge on there, well, it just mutes anything else in that in there. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love – I like Look It Up. I like Asylum like, like Julian and Mark do. But it's unholy. It's not, it's not even a question. Best unmasked song there is. Okay. Did you I say, don't know. Well, Did you say 80 to 92? 83. 83. 83 to 92. Yes. Yeah, it takes out, of, takes out I Love It Loud out of the equation. And, right. Yeah. And the oath. <laughs> <laughs> All right, yeah, Mark. Darn it. Well, for, for me, I mean, you know, I, I think Lonnie has a lot, uh, you know, firm ground to stand on as far as his pick. Um, but, you know, you know how it is, you know, we all have our favorites and, you know, there's, there's no it's no secret that I love Asylum very much. So for me, I always love, would always go back to something from there. And for me, I've always, always loved Who Wants to Be Lonely. I always thought that was a fantastic song and I always figured that that to me was one of that was one of my favorites from there. I mean, the the three songs that everybody usually talks about from that album, like Tears Are Falling and, you know, Who Wants to Be Lonely. And then I guess uh, All Night would be probably putting that as well. But I mean, for me, it's Who Wants to Be Lonely. Yay. So you went to with Asylum. Makes me happy when people say nice things about Asylum. Can always it's a great count, album. Can always count on you and Daniel. All right, Ken. What about you? Give us the voice of reasons. Answer. This is well. This is different. Just because I mean, you like you, the video, you know, doesn't mean that. Yeah, right. <laughs> well, no. The right. question is, which hit do you like the most? So, <laughs> it's, it's do you? It, it's a personal question. It's, right. Yeah, it's multiple choice, but there is no right answer. I mean, well, I mean, I, I you know, it's it's, it's really. Mm. Unholy, I, you know, is an easy one for me to pick, but I, I, I just, I feel it's too easy for me to pick. Correct. So it's not even fair. It's so I'm going to pick something else. So I'm going to pick something else. Um, so you're not gonna I mean, go if, with I, the if I, no, if I was, no, well, not really. If I was going <laughs> to pick, I, I was gonna, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a single. All right. Um, but if I was going, if I, if I wasn't going to pick a single, if I was like Daniel from Sweden, I'd pick Flitzike. It's like a glove or whatever. Which but was released as a, as a single in Swaziland. Was it really? No, I have no, no idea. <laughs> I was going to say, wherever that is. You can make up anything. It's on um, the internet. It must be true. You can make up, you can make up anything. Uh, so, um, but I'm going with... be a segment uh, on this show. You can make up anything. <laughs> so I'm going to go I'm going to go with All Hell's Breaking Loose. Just because I, I love that riff so well and the gang vocals on it. I just... I just always liked that song a lot, and I think it's underrated, as far as I'm concerned, as a as a kiss song. So I'm going with that. Mm. I'm gonna do it. Well, I, I saw that I saw this question on the FAQ, and I was like, well, there was only really one hit. And forever. That, that was forever, and then I was okay. like, but in England, God gave rock and roll to. No, well, like, well, wait a minute. You missed something. Crazy, crazy nights. Crazy, crazy shites. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've, I've, I Brexited. I don't have to like anything. Kissed it in All England right. anymore. All right. Um, what am I gonna pick? I, uh, God, I'm going with God gave rock and roll to you too. That's a good okay. pick too. It really is. So there's not revenge. And not because it's right, only revenge. No, I mean because it has Eric I mean, Carr in the video. 
has two Eric's on it, and it sums up, you know, a, a lot of things that you could just hear coming from Paul, and Kiss's anthemic outlook on life, and it's really mm -hmm. positive, it's upbeat, it's happy, so why the hell do I like it? Christ. Bob has been producing. <laughs> yeah, uh, so... That's a good representation, uh, though, of the non-makeup era. It's a great representation of the non-makeup era with Eric Carr and Bruce Kulick in the video. Mm -hmm. It's a great representation of that era. And actually, to be honest with you, it's one of uh, the productions that I don't really hate from Bob. You know, I'll actually right. give wow. him a Wow, cool. flip that off. Ooh, flip that off. High praise. Off Save that. <laughs> <laughs> Keep waiting for one of these days to see Bob looking through the window behind Mark while we're doing the show. And he pulls, yeah, he pulls something up. <laughs> I wouldn't like be surprised. Tapping with a shovel. Hey, Mark. I, I'm going to get that off. Guess who's I'm gonna, here? I'm going to play it on the next episode. I'm going to clip that little be, sound. Be like, be like the shiny. I don't hate it from Bob. I'm clipping that off. <laughs> We might need like text tone every time I get a text. I don't hate that from Bob Ezrin in Mark's voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's let, let's let's move on here because uh, I think I'll be digging into the board very shortly for more. Um, in one word, what did each original member bring to the band? In your opinion, now asking a Kiss fan to say one word is like trying to teach a dog. Um, to ride a bicycle it can be done mm -hmm. but it's a bit pointless and futile uh, Ken which uh, yeah, I had to start with me I had, I had to because I, I haven't done uh, any preparation for this show yet right. so I really need a couple of minutes go prep here we go All right. so alright Ace he brought Flash okay. and Balls and that's why I answered yeah. that. <laughs> Basketballs. Um, and then um, uh, Peter, he brought swing. Mm -hmm. Swing. Good. That's a good one. Nice. Swing. Um, who, uh, Paul. Um, uh, boy, it's a hard one. Brought. I'm saying one word. Showmanship. Mm. Mm. And, oh, Gene's, this is going to be a hard one. Uh, Gene brought his wallet. <laughs> his wallet. From his my wallet. wallet. <laughs> um, is his, his, uh, is, what is it called? Vision. I'm gonna say vision. Mm. Okay. Okay. No, that's not that, bad. That's a good. That's start. without saying, you know, that Paul brought his, you know, <laughs> guitar, you know, rhythm or, or something. But yeah. I'm just kind of going a different way yeah. with that. Okay. But one word. Yeah. All right. Who who of these next two guys? Which one looks most worried about me picking them next, Mark? <laughs> well. I guess uh, I would say that Paul brought soul. You know, he, his kind of approach to everything, especially his introductions. Both. Uh, <laughs> mm. uh, Gene brought money. 
his visions have always brought in money the for Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> that, that, I think that's very obvious. Uh, Ace brought the solos because, you know, he's the man behind the solos. And mm-hmm. without him and his soloing, I don't think they would have been as, you know, yeah. catchy. And uh, I think Peter brought problems because, I mean, if it wasn't for. <laughs> wow. Uh, if it wasn't for. If it wasn't P-P. for. Uh, Damn, it wasn't for, Gina. you know, the, all the punching of the mirrors and the, you know, I'm quitting if there's no drum solo on this record and stuff like that. You know, if he didn't bring, if, if, but it's important. He brought that kind of tension that brought the, the fire to the music, you know. Oh, okay. Oh, fire. Uh-huh. That, that's a better uh-huh. That's a better Good one. save. There you Way go. to backpedal. Nice. <laughs> there you go. All right, Lonnie, would you like to shovel? I will, I will go. I will say Peter brought soul to the band. Yeah, oh, I, okay. I also I will say Ace brought Moxie. Moxie. Mm-hmm. Moxie. I was trying to think of a better word of flash. Ace Ace just has a certain style. What's a better word for style is Moxie. There's just okay. something okay. different about Ace, what he brings, different than anyone else. Paul brought persi- persistency. He was very persistent mm-hmm. and never gave up on the KISS dream. No matter what, with the interchanging members in the 80s, right. he's very persistent in what he wanted. And I have to agree with Ken that Gene brought vision to the band. It was Gene's vision, what Gene wanted. Nice. So that sets me up for failure wonderfully. Thank you all for your ex- excellent contributions. <laughs> That's and the first about going last. Yeah. So, uh, Peter, danger. That uh, huh? again, it's it's kind of the, the the threats of quitting, the shooting of Christmas trees, the energy and aggression um, with which she performed, and you know, kind of everything that goes with that. Gene, money. Um, I, I thoroughly believe that because of what he brought into the band, uh, that he already had a stash, and he was able to loan Peter uh, Peter and Ace money at times, um, was an important part of that. I mean, he had a mimeograph as well. So all the things that he had invested in prior, the band reaped the rewards of that investment Gene made in himself. So, Are you saying he printed money? Printed ads on the mimeos. I know, I'm joking. <laughs> you remember what those colors were on a mimeograph? You ain't getting anything that looks like a banknote out of one of them. So, um, I remember the smell. Ace, I, I think... Lackadaisical. I, I can't think of how to make that turn that into laid back, unpredictable. Yes, that um, you just never knew what you were going to get out of Ace, whether he was actually going to give a shit or deliver uh, you something, give, give you something brilliant, as yeah. is very clear from the kind of the lead work that he brought in in the early days uh, and the response from Gene and Paul in particular when they first brought him in as a, you know, lead guitarist that they recognized they needed someone who could be inventive because Paul was not that guy and Paul knew his limitations. So I think the unpredictable nature of Ace's art, um, you know, obviously had a, a, a dearth of, uh, like range from the brilliant to what was his ultimate downfall with the band. Uh, and Paul Stanley, uh, yeah, heart. You know, mm-hmm. I, I had written down here panache, 
but I think that would probably be a, a you know a more well, appropriate for Ace. But uh, heart, determination, yeah. and you know he was the heart of the band from the beginning. So, well, what if you went a little uh, into the other uh, former members of the band? Okay, Eric what Carr. Are, are Eric Carr. Uh, sweet. I, I'd say Eric Carr is known as a sweet guy. So sweet, right? Uh, Vinny, uh, talented. Uh, Bruce, I'm not going. Oh, you forgot Mark St. John. Come on. I know. Sorry. Uh, oh, okay. All right, Mark. Uh, <laughs> missing. <laughs> um, 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 Bruce. Um, upstanding. Um, and then who we got? Eric, singer. Um, technician. Um, and then uh, Tommy. Am I missing anybody? <laughs> Um, Tommy, uh, dependable. Depends. Wow. <laughs> He's not that age. <laughs> yeah. Um, there you go. Yeah, Eric. Um, Eric, rejuvenation. Mm. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, Vinny, songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark, hope. <laughs> Hope this one works out. Um, yeah, Bruce. I mean, dignity. Yeah. Eric Sanger, uh, technician. You know, something along those lines. And and Tommy again, uh, dependability, reliability, reliability. I think I like more than reliable. dependability. Yeah. 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 Reliable yeah. without fault. Mark, you want to throw a word at any of these gentlemen? He froze as well. Eric Carr. Oh, there What's you go. That? You're oh, you're back. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I was going to say, uh, Eric Carr, uh, <clears throat> I, I just think I, I put fun for him. I mean, he ever since he joined it, he just seemed like he was a guy who like won the lottery. You know what I mean? So oh, yeah. uh, he brought fun. Uh, Vinny Vincent, um, I, I'd have to agree with Julian. I think that's the, that was the first thing that came into my mind immediately when I thought of him. Because I didn't want to think of anything, you know, negative to say about him. Uh, I was going to think. I definitely think that songs. He definitely brought a whole level of songwriting to them. So songs for sure. Uh, I, as far as Mark Saint John, uh, I'm going to say sad because mm. it was definitely sad about what happened with him. I mean, he had, you know, the the keys to the, you know, sil- on the silver platter, and then he just dropped them. You know, not much to his fault. It was a health issue, right? But, you know. You can't feel, you can't help but feel bad for that. Um, yeah, Eric no, I, Singer. I, I don't think he actually brought anything to the band, to be totally yeah. honest, because he was just a cookie cutter that they were trying to, you know, fill in that type of player yeah. in the mid 1980s. Yeah, and it wasn't anything that he was really bringing. It was just that that was what he could do, and he couldn't do it yeah. the same twice. So, you know, it, it was uh, a <laughs> kind of a desperate move by the band with all the Vinny stuff going on. Yeah. So, I mean, Eric Singer, the one word that comes to me right away is solid. That guy, you can place him in any band and he can just, you know, 
be the backbone in any situation, I think. I mean, look at I mean the guy who played with Alice Cooper, he jumped in in the in the uh Revenge Era with Kiss, then he was able to do the sort of old school Kiss stuff and they toned him down a bit with his drumming. And I mean he's even in uh he's even in Paul's, you know, Soul Station. So that's gotta tell you that, you know, he's dependable on all fronts, right? Mm-hmm. So there you go. Uh Bruce Kulik, I mean he's always been my favorite member of kiss and uh there's a thousand words that come to to mind when it comes to him but uh, i i just i just say again i the first thing that comes to mind is dependable i mean that guy you, you can give him any song and tell him you need a solo and he'll give you something more than fantastic for it so i definitely think that that describes him best and tommy thayer um I, i'm gonna say um I'm trying to think of a good word with him because he he's really an interesting one that came into Kiss, and I would say maybe a, you know, I think assistant is a good word because before he even was a guitar player, he assisted them with everything. You know, uh, that can be helping... taken into a lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, coffee. bring me some coffee. Well, that's what he, that's how he got hired. That he was he that was if you read that book, it says that when Paul, when Gene hired him initially, he said the it might just be, you know, get me a cup of coffee or something initially when he first, because he didn't know what he was going to do they with them at first, started. but he just liked them, right? So there you go. He was a coffee runner to begin with. Do whatever it takes. I mean, come on. Yeah. How, how many people mm-hmm. in their jobs? Uh, I'd do it if they said they'd hire me. Yeah. Just you know. bring me coffee. I'll do it. Okay. Sure. Yeah, Gene. One lump or two. Yeah. Here, smell the seether. Two, please. <laughs> <laughs> So did you? Uh, did, what what word did you come up with for him? Oh, assistant. Oh, okay. Oh yeah, that's right. Coffee. Lonnie, <laughs> you want to throw in any on these uh, non-originals? Eric Eric Carr, I have underappreciated. I think he's a very underappreciated mm-hmm. member of the band. I think what he brought in during his time gets overlooked because says they overlooked the '80s. Vinny, Griff, Ken brought talent to the band mark brought 2.5 two and a half shows <laughs> bruce <laughs> brought steadiness mm-hmm. in a time when they really needed eric i'm gonna say is the savior he saved their asses after eric Carr died mm-hmm. he saved their asses on the farewell tour and he saved their asses again when he came back in 04 he's the savior and Tommy brought resolution. Hmm. Well, re- you had a time to think of that, eh? Because he's resolute. Yeah. All right. Pardon the hell out of me. <laughs> <laughs> Just because my list is better than yours. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, one of the one of the other topics, you know, that was on my list was uh, in the live three with <clears throat> the Vinny lineup. But, you know, I, I think we've kind of talked about that one before. And there's a couple of other threads that have popped up over the last two days that I think are a little bit more interesting than that. Number one, and I'm just going to draw your attention to this out there. If you're <laughs> on the board, you can go, and it's actually been on, online for a very long time, you can read the contract that Vinny was purportedly offered by KISS. And it's a very interesting discussion now that it's being talked about more. Um 
that if anyone's ever wondered why he didn't sign it, you only have to read some bullet points out of this thing <laughs> to know that it's basically unsignable from an artistic point of view. Um, why he didn't counter and come back, you know, with other stuff or try and leverage himself um, at a time that the band was desperate, it really boggles the mind. And it makes it, you know, very clear that Kiss were without a manager at the time, and the people who were running the show weren't entirely running the show, or they already knew mm-hmm. that they hated Vinny. So, go into that thread. It's uh, what, what the hell is it called? Uh, Vinny Vincent. Vinny Vincent. Yes, contract posted. Mark, you've had a, a, a chance to scan it. What were you, some of your initial impressions on it? Well, I mean. The the thing that right away that jumped out on at it to me was the fact that if he signed it, he'd be giving away all his rights to like songs that he would write, you know, later or songs that he had written before. Like the, just the the amount of stuff that he would give up in signing this is just unbelievable. I mean, I didn't have a chance to thoroughly go through it, but it's it's just funny, you know, the amount of stuff that he loses in this. I mean, and and that's a good point that you brought up because you know. Sure, these things are sometimes written in such a way that you do need a lawyer because they could word it in such a way that you could, you know, get confused and think it means one thing when it really means another thing. But, you know, like they, they kind of look, it looks like they almost try to lure him in at first because they say, you know, he's they offered him $2,000 a week, which is healthy cash in 82. And then he got a $50,000 advance against his royalties. And, you know, so all those things are kind of made to look like, you know, yeah, he had a, he had it good, you know, and it says here he was also gifted at least three weeks paid vacation per year. So all these things are kind of like, you know, like, come on, man, sign it. You're not going to get a better offer than that. But if, you know, if he was smart enough to, which he probably was, obviously, since he didn't sign it, if he, when you look down at some of these other things, it, it's, a, it's unbelievable, like, you know, what he would have gave up. Publisher shall have the right to use the name, photograph, and likeness of writer and bio- biographical material concerning writer for advertising purposes, trade, otherwise without restriction in connection of the composition. It's like he has no say in anything, pretty much. Anything that he writes and that he he has written, it's going to be all KISS-owned, you know? And that's just absolutely like, wow, I would, I would, I would never have signed it. Like, you gotta, you got to give, give him at least props for that. You know, and the copyrights. I mean, that that yeah. really is just the you know everything that he's writing or creating, he gets to give to them first, and if they don't want it, they don't have to use it, and they can keep him from using it anywhere else. So, yeah, you know, a thousand bucks in 1983 is worth $2,500 now. Yeah. So just it's the, just, you know, five thousand yeah. a week basically in '82, two thousand cut down to twenty-five hundred a week, um, and then it went down to six hundred, didn't it? So yeah. It says here too. It says that they the band offered him just over fifteen hundred bucks for complete control over his lick it up contributions, despite being paid approximately sixty five thousand dollars in royalties. To put that into perspective, Sting reportedly earned a thousand dollars U.S. a day for every breath you take. That's three hundred and fifty six thousand dollars U.S. a year for one song. Yeah, but that's so that's every breath you take. Nothing on yeah. Well, okay, nothing, but I'm just nothing the, on Kiss is uh you know kind of level. That's just a you yeah. know an outrageous. But look it up example. was a big song. Yeah, right. Look it up was a pretty big song. <laughs> and it's still in the set. So yeah, is it a big yeah. song in terms yeah. of Kiss? And they own the, I think they own the copyrights now anyway because of the Supreme Court decision not to allow his appeal. So I mean, yeah, he, you know, he cashed the fifty thousand dollar check. So he can't, I think I believe he lost everything. 
and that's where the argument comes from. But I think what makes it just interesting reading is you don't have to be a lawyer to know that that's a bad deal. Yeah. Uh, and that's that's the part that's very <laughs> clear that it's an it's an aggressively um, negative, you know, kind of preying on. Well, here's your chance to make it. And from Kiss's you know point of view, they've done all the work, they've done all the investment in building Kiss into a brand. So why should they say number one? It makes it very clear that he's a hired hand, not a member of the band. You know, he, he Gene and Paul are the owners. Eric knew his mm-hmm. role, and they were never going to give that up, and that's perfectly fine. But Kiss has also had had ten years building Kiss into the brand. So you can see why it's mercenary because they don't want anyone coming in and profiting off them because I guess to their way of thinking, that stuff's only a success because it's attached to the name Kiss in the first place. Otherwise, it's just uh, Vinny Cassano, the grocer from Bridgeport. Yeah, and you know what? Another interesting thing about this, though, is that recently he's been you know doing these you know kind of ads about his upcoming events that he wants to do. And every once in a while, you see him in these kind of makeup shots with like some of the unk designs and stuff like that. And it says here in this point 10, it says the makeup, the likeness, the costume, the name, the whiz, and the, the character created here under together with all other names and likeness, makeup, and character of any other members of KISS together with the name KISS are and shall always remain the sole pr- property of KISS. So... Obviously, you know, they're probably being either lenient with him that he's kind of, you know, donning a bit of this costume and makeup. Maybe they don't care about it, but obviously they could they could nail him if he did sign it, right? Well, he did sign it, so and they and they didn't trademark it, so yeah. you know. There you go, Lonnie, Lonnie. At this point, are you really sick of Vinnie Vincent? No, I'm not sick of Vinnie Vincent. I'm not <laughs> going to say that I'm sick of Vinnie Vincent. I still wish Vinny nothing but the best, and I know some people may roll their eyes at that, but <laughs> you know, I there's a, I and I know he's he's maybe misled some people at times, or maybe maybe that's being nice, but I there's a soft spot soft spot in my heart for Vinny, and I I always wish him nothing but the best, and. I don't understand that in a world where we're supposed to be tolerant and accepting and accepting to everyone, why in the KISS world, Vinny Vincent is nothing more than a free target. It's okay to hate Vinny. It's okay to, to bash Vin in certain parts of the KISS world, it's okay. He's a free target. Oh no, I know. I know. And and I think that's terrible. And I and I've had this rant on the show before. And I, and I just think it's it's very sad that why why is he a target? But but if but if I go online and I bash someone else, oh that's terrible. You're supposed to be acceptance to everyone. You know, you're supposed to be acceptance to all all types of people. If I want to, you know, but but Vinny, oh it's okay if you want to bash him. And, and people laugh about it, and they think it's, it's, it's just a free gag. And that's not right. In, in a world where, where we want to be accepting everyone, that's not right. You know, does he, have, does he have a set of problems? Sure. You know what? Everyone has their own set of problems. But I don't go online bashing other people. So why is Vinny a free target? <clears throat> yeah. And, that, that, um, and that's not what we were talking about, but it's something that just 
bothers me all the time. Mark's holding up a picture for those who aren't watching. He's holding up a picture of Vinny and his backwards strung guitar. Yeah. It's very head scratching why it's strung like that. Hell, I don't know. Um, Well, my my view on this this contract is yeah, it's a bad contract, (laughs) obviously. Um, I think it's it's part of a negotiation from Kiss's point of view is well, we're gonna we're gonna come in you know very low here and with a low offer you know on all counts and and see if he comes back with anything or just signs it. You know, they, I think they were just hoping that he would just sign it. Um, so, I, from what I can tell, or historically, that I don't think Vinny came back with an, a counter offer um, to negotiate. Now, maybe he did, and we just don't know about it. But um, I, I have a feeling he didn't. He just said, like, no, I'm not gonna sign that. It's crap. Um, so. Maybe him just saying it's I'm not going to sign it or, you know, Kiss was not going to change their contract to something else. But maybe Vinny could have gotten a lawyer and had them you know, rewrite something up. I don't think he wanted to. No, maybe. I, I think by that time and by the time that he was stringing them along, yeah, yeah, I'll sign it, I'll sign it. And I think there's a lot more to the story than we're getting from just reading Probably. you know, Paul's book or you know, this this version of the contract. Is I think he knew he didn't want to be in the band. Uh, you know, pretty pretty soon after getting involved, I, I think he immediately saw it as a springboard to something bigger, and that by mm-hmm. not signing it, he thought he'd leverage it into a seven-record deal with you know, for himself, which Mm. is exactly what he did in essence. Um, You know, by 84, they're into the rehearsal studio by the end of March, early April. So they, they had moved on. They may have been hoping that Vinny came back with a bucket full of songs that would have made Animalize a hell of a lot better. But I I think Mm -hmm. by that point, he'd already been fired once, you know, and come back and <laughs> the solo issues and the behavior that Paul kind of described. I think it's almost like he was deliberately sabot. I mean, he's like Antonio Brown in the Oakland Raiders. I mean, pouring his food back into the pot, you know, and on everyone and just being a jackass on stage. I think by that time he really he saw himself as, well, I've written all these great songs for this band. I'm not giving them anything else because. I'm not going to I now I know how they they're going to treat me. I've seen the deal. I've seen my pay go down mm. while my contributions have gone up. I can get a deal off this now from this notoriety that I've gotten as a member of Kiss because most mm. people don't know the difference between a hired hand and the guy who's up on stage playing those solos off the exciting new album. Um so I, I, I think that there's a lot more to it than just a bad contract. I think it's great to understand from Vinny's perspective and have a little bit more empathy. That's a shit sandwich, that, that contract. Yeah, it's not that's not app That's like, that's like just put a kick-me sign. Just walk around with a kick-me sign. You yeah, know? exactly. It's, it's, it's completely horrible. But I think it's a reaction to his behavior as well. Because mm-hmm. I, I'm pretty sure that he didn't want to be in KISS any more than using it as somewhere to get where he wanted to go. Because he wanted to be KISS. 
He wanted to be mm-hmm. the marquee name, and look how that worked out. And then look at um, you know one of the other things that someone mentioned in the thread is look at how he treated his people with mm-hmm. his contracts. Yeah. So he yeah. learned he learned from the best. He learned from the best for sure. And the same thing happened to him. You know, Mark Slaughter used being in Vinnie Vincent as a springboard for Slaughter and his band. You know, well the record label number one, the record label loved him. And more than Vinny, they're like, oh, we can get you another guitarist. (laughs) So I'm a dozen. Yeah, it's it's really it's really kind of interesting. I want to just finish up on one of the threads. that's just it's one of those ones that I usually don't like and I don't participate in. It's uh, your favorite. um, What is it? The favorite memory on the FAQ. Uh, I'm just trying to can't even find it. I mean. A high point of your membership on the board, other than us all coming together as a podcasting family. Um, what are, what's my favorite memories on the FAQ? It's when I find someone who I've banned 20 times before, and they say something, and all of a sudden you, there know, you, are. you know who that fucker is, and you're like, Banhammer! Um <laughs> You know, that's the one that keeps on giving because there is no technical way to keep people gone, as I keep explaining. So it's just, you know, every mm-hmm. once in a while, you know, Rising Force is great at ferreting out these wankers. And it, it, he's just like, hey, I think so-and-so is so-and-so. I'm like, oh, yeah, let's keep an eye on him. And then when you get the sure match enough. and you're like, ha, got you, bitch. <laughs> and, then you, and then you know they're going to be back in 10 minutes with a new name. But they've had to go sign up for a new email address and go through all yeah. that rigmarole. It's just to put them through the hassle of it. It's worth it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's just that little game of whack-a-mole you play, you know, ping-pong. It goes, it goes, and we'll just continue doing it for the next uh, next 10 years. Not. Mark? Yeah, well, for me, actually, my favorite memory from the board, actually, is from a ways back... And this actually has something to do with with you, Julian, because um, back before you got used to post those, uh, you know, those little album focus things that you used to do, like about each album on there. Like I remember reading a few of them on off of the board, like there was a hotter than hell one. And I saw I started getting really into reading these album focuses that you would post. In fact, I have a binder somewhere back here. Like this thick, when I printed every single one of them out, and I had like every record that you talked about in printed out form here, and that's one of my favorite memories. Was I loved reading those things. I was always looking for different ones all the time, and I was like, "Hey, there's an alive one." I'd go and get my printer hooked up, and you know, print it all out, and then you know, I'd, I'd have something to read later on. You know, I did I did that for every one that you did, and that's one of my favorite moments from being on the board. To be honest with you, that was one of the things that got me coming back to this board all the time. Nice. Thank you. Lonnie. My favorite memory of the board goes back to 2004. Um, Holy shit. I know. It was a very dark period in my life. I was going through some, some really hard times personally. And I'd get home from work and I, I would spend a lot of time on the board um, not just in the in the threads, but I, I had multiple friends on the board that we would just track message on the board, and it really really cheered me up in a in a very bad time in my life um, where I I met some connections from people who lived in St. Louis or people who lived like in in Memphis and Nashville, and I would have conversations with them just about Kiss and just about just good things in life, 
And it really brought me a lot of joy and a lot of bad time in a, in a, in a very down time in my life. And it's because of the FAQ and it, you know, kind of kept me going in a, in a hard time. So that's my, that's my best memories of the board. That's a nice, nice that's a nice positive thing about the board. That sometimes people forget that people, yeah, and it, yeah, people do get positive things out of it, even with, you know, sometimes there's a lot of focus as much on as the it gets negative. labeled a shit show. The board has, has done good things for people and it's done good things for me outside yeah. of this podcast. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it's connected a lot of people as well. I mean, sure. It makes you hate some posters, but you do find people of a similar mindset and, uh, you know, often they've gone on to do other things elsewhere, which is incredible, especially with what it's given back to the community. So Ken. Yeah. I mean, I, I do agree with Mark about the, uh, the kiss album focus stuff that you did. Uh, I used to read that stuff and I used to, maybe not print out every single thing of it, but when you, you know, release the first books or second, I think it was the very, the second edition. Um, I bought that one way, way back. But um, otherwise I liked the board for, you know, you lots of times I'm learning a lot of new things. I mean, I don't know everything about kiss, but you, every now and then you, you hear something. It's like, Oh crap. Really? That guy was part of, played on that album or did something or was involved with this or that and or, or something like that you know um the other thing is when i like it when for instance the build-up for either the new album that's coming out or you know big kiss news that's coming or the a tour that's about to start there's a lot of activity around that the first shows of a tour and all that i mean it's a lot of cool you know discussions going on about that stuff uh, or you know new music and, and and so on that has happened in the past so i just uh, really enjoy uh, learning some new things and then you know getting involved with some of the the you know excitement that happens when kiss yeah. starts and does some new whatever it may be venture new, new adventure Yep, yep. I'm, I'm amazed it's still it's still going. I mean, number one, you know, having have my finger on the trigger, the delete button, you know, many a time when I get frustrated <laughs> at it. You know, technically it's actually been pretty solid the last few years ever since I fixed that one bug, which was just infuriating, <laughs> and the performance of the board just stabilized completely. Um, you know, that's been good. But you know, also I think proving the naysayers wrong. Oh, Facebook's gonna kill traditional message boards. Yeah, a lot of people have moved on into their their own little groups mm-hmm. on Facebook where they can make their rules and you know guide the the conversation in the sure. direction that they want. And that's cool. But I think it's all very complimentary because we get a lot of back chatter between hey check out this on this Facebook group or and then on Facebook you say hey check out this on the FAQ so i i think yeah. there's a healthy um parallelism going on that people are doing their own thing elsewhere but as part of a larger kiss community all these components are critically important and you know very much valued so I'm, you know, we're still there. We've still got some people who don't do Facebook as well, so gives them a home. That's true as well. Yeah. So, all right, let's leave that there. That's a bunch of topics from the board. I mean, we've we've covered a lot of ground today. What are some of your thoughts on the topics that we've discussed? Um, What did we get wrong? That's what we always love to hear you tell us how we're wrong. Because, Because you're right. For you, God we knows were, we are. Yeah, for you, we were wrong, and that's cool. We can we can take it. We 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 allow differing opinions without any rancor whatsoever. Um, 
I've definitely been watching too much of House of Commons TV in the last two weeks, so um, <laughs> almost starting to feel like the Speaker of the House there. All right, so let's leave that there. We shall see you next time. So for now, from Mark, from Lonnie, Ken, and myself, thanks for watching, and see you next time. Thank you for spending time listening to the KISS FAQ podcast today. All sales are final. There are no refunds. If you'd like, look us up on Facebook or come over to the KISS FAQ message board and discuss the topic we've broadcast today. Don't forget to rate us on iTunes, Spreaker, or wherever you've listened to the show. We hope you'll join us again.